Spencer Speaks Sports Wednesday or really late Wednesday episode, early Thursday episode here. I am backloading this week a lot with these three episodes coming up. Um, so not the typical Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule that you are all probably used to because we got the NFL draft coming up in less than 24 hours now. Very excited for it. I got a mock draft coming up here the first round. No trades or anything, just like the teams like they are. And then I'll just go in order that way. And uh, I think my correctness level on everything will be based on just the players and not um, the teams that select those players, if that makes sense. But anyway, to start the podcast, I think I'm going to do a spitball sessions this will be number three, so I got a list of 25 random things that I could talk about, uh, mostly sports-related, of course. The last time I was talking about, what, Cheerios and whatever the hell else it was. But, um, yeah, uh, this is more of a sport-heavy list, so that that's probably what most of these will be, of course. Uh, and, yeah, so I got the randomizer here. Going to get it ready to go. And yeah, so 25 topics, one randomizer, and hopefully a uh, Spencer that knows what he's talking about. All right, here we go. So the first topic is going to be the Yankees. All right, so the Yankees, everybody relax. Don't panic. It's fine. Uh, things will get better and the Yankees will be back. Uh, frankly, because other teams aren't really taking full advantage of uh, of a top team like that struggles. And the Yankees are uh, obviously with the, the large schedule uh, this season and a nine, well, getting out of COVID year, I guess. The Yankees will have plenty of time to make it back up to hopefully the top of the AL East at least. And right now they are ahead of Baltimore the Texas Rangers, the Minnesota Twins, and the, the Detroit Tigers now. So uh, they went from dead last in the AL. Now we're up to 10th in the AL. So that's, that's a little bit better. Not dead last in the AL, at least obviously ahead of the Orioles now. And they are, I think it was b before uh, tonight's game where they, they beat Baltimore 7 to nothing. They were about two and a half games out of fourth place in the American League. And I think this year we're, we're back to the standard 10-team playoff, uh, five in each league, of course, getting into the playoffs. So, um, so yeah, eventually you need to see some movement. But right now I think I think uh, the, the panic button is starting to turn off a little bit here, and the Yankees are going to eventually make their way up because – when you play the Orioles so many times during the season, that's going to help your record. And uh, yeah, seven. Though I think they, <laughs> pretty sure they lost yesterday to the Orioles. That wasn't. That's not ideal. And uh, but it's not as bad as the Celtics losing to the Thunder. But I won't talk about that. If it pops up in the randomizers, then I'll talk about it. All right. But yeah, that's what I got for the Yankees. Don't panic. It's it's still got a lot of season to go. Uh, all right. So here's let's go to the next one here. Press the button. See what we got. Russell Westbrook. Okay, so actually, I before this recording, it's around ten o'clock on Wednesday uh, night here. Uh, I was watching the Wizards and Lakers play, and the Lakers are just trying to stay afloat without LeBron James. Uh, Anthony Davis is back, but he still needs to get uh, the, the full amount of minutes and stuff from coming back from a what a two month absence. So. 
they'll uh, eventually, you would think by the playoffs, they may be ready, fully ready to go. But who knows? It could take some time, and the Lakers could potentially be in danger in the first round of the playoffs. But anyway, this isn't about the Lakers. This is about Russell Westbrook particularly, and I guess we can incorporate the Wizards too. And I'm just going to keep throwing constant respect to the Wizards here and uh, just Russell Westbrook. I mean, this run of uh, specifically triple doubles and just the run the Wizards are going on in general, I think um, after tonight's win against Los Angeles, the Wizards have now won 11 of their last 13 games, which is obviously the best stretch in uh, the last 13 games by any team in the league uh, currently. And you, when you have Russell Westbrook, Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook, who had another triple double tonight. So, and this is, I pulled these stats before this game, but just so you can just add one to, to these, these um, percentages here or whatever. So Russell Westbrook has had a triple double, which means I think all these games have been uh, double digit points, double digit assists, and double digit rebounds. He's had those type of games, 19 of the last 25, 15 of the last 20, 12 of the last 15, eight of the last 10, and then four of the last five games. And then obviously, if you incorporate this game, I'll just go through it again. 20 of the last 26, 26 of the last 21, 13 of the last 16, nine of the last 11, and then five of the last six. So, yeah, very impressive. And I, I think another thing I wanted to touch on was just the underappreciation of Russell Westbrook because he's doing things, especially regarding triple doubles, that only Oscar Robinson and Wilt Chamberlain have done in the history of the NBA. And Russell Westbrook is very well going to break the all-time triple-double record, which is insane. And it's just it's just like uh, people are really focused on that. It's just like a, a compiler stat. And people have to realize that this is the only guy that's doing this in the league. I mean, maybe you'll have like Jokic, get into the, the triple-double thing, LeBron when he's healthy, you know, but it's not even close. Um, I mean, I mean Luka Doncic maybe, I don't know. But, yeah, like I said, it's not even close to what Russell Westbrook is doing. The amount of times he's do, he's getting triple-doubles, it's insane. And uh, now him, Bradley Bill, the, West of the, the rest of the Wizards roster are getting – their the increased chances, I guess, uh, or, or their the likelihood of them making it to at least the play-in games are, are is is almost through the roof at this point. Like the confidence level, um, yeah, I, I really think that they'll um, have a shot to get into those top eight seeds after the play-ins. There, uh, I don't know if they'll beat a team like Brooklyn or Philadelphia or Milwaukee, but. Uh, Still, I mean, I don't think it's not going to be fun to play a, a team with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal on it. But yeah, the Wizards, the way they're playing right now, I mean, they're you got to definitely put them in the top ten. Um, like I said, they're probably going to have to play in a playing game. Uh, and, but yeah, I mean, for me, I hope they get out of there and uh, and are able to at least try to um, uh, be competitive against those top seeds in the Eastern Conference, whichever one they may play. All right, let's do another one here. And I think, I don't know, I may do like five to seven, I think, for this. But uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out here. All right. Um, 
Oh, okay. So this was a little, this was almost a week ago, oh, five days ago. So this was on Saturday. And this was a tournament in Belgrade, Serbia, I believe. Yeah, Belgrade, Serbia. And it was between Novak Djokovic, who's Serbian, and Aslan Karasev, a tennis player I've mentioned before, who's kind of come out of nowhere. He's like 27 years old and he's having his breakthrough year now. Usually players have like their uh, breakout years in their early 20s, but every every journey on the tour has a different story. So Karasev, let me sum it up again. He, Russian tennis player, he was part of the ATP Cup uh, Russian team there. I ended up winning the whole thing with the help of Daniel Medvedev and Andre Rublev, two star um, and two younger um, star Russian tennis players. There, both of them in the top seven, I think, in the world at this point. Uh, so that they were the main reason why they won. But those two players were also calling Aslan Karasev their secret weapon, and I believe he mostly yeah, he just played doubles the entire time. But anyway, so he they go and do that, so they win the the ATP Cup, then. Karasev goes and plays singles. I'm pretty sure he qualified for Australian Open singles. And yeah, he goes out and makes it to the semifinals, loses to Novak Djokovic, which was kind of expected in straight sets. And then after that, he goes out and wins the Doha tournament. I'm pretty sure it was Doha, not Dubai. But anyway, one of those. And he goes out and wins that. Uh, so uh, his first ATP title, of course. And then he goes, and I think he has another tournament to where he was kind of competitive. I can't remember the location. But now we're here at Belgrade to where he's in the semifinals of this tournament playing Novak Djokovic again. And he beats Novak Djokovic, which uh, locked it up for me that this dude's for real. He's He could be here in the top. I think he's 27th in the world right now. I mean, he's he will very well be in the top 32 for a long time just based on how he's playing this year. I don't think it's a one-year wonder type of deal. Uh, I, th I think it just took a little bit for him to develop and then turn into the player that he is. But, uh, yeah, if you can take out Novak Djokovic, this match was three hours and 25 minutes. It was an absolute grind. And the fact that you are able to be mentally tough, physically tough enough to outlast Novak Djokovic in, in a match like that uh, is pretty pretty remarkable. Um, granted, the clay surface could have helped Novak if it was on, say, uh, hardcore and especially grass. I mean, it would have been a, probably a completely different story. But still, like to, to, to battle like that and to be able to beat the world number one, um, that it was a, a huge proving match. Unfortunately, I don't think uh, it Karasev did play, have a really good effort against Matteo Ber Berrettini, um, the Italian player who's ranked, I think he's, I think he's 10th in the world right now, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, he played him in the, in the, in the Belgrade final and uh, Berrettini ended up winning. And that was also a tight three set match, but I think eventually Karasev ran out of gas late in that match and Berrettini was able to pull away, but still there's a ridiculous effort from Karasev, the dudes for real. And uh, yeah, I, I expect him to make uh, deep runs and, and win more of those, not necessarily big ATP uh, titles, like a master's tournament or something like that. I don't expect that, but um look for a 250 500 maybe maybe titles like that he could very well win um i don't have that's not a doubt that i have in my mind all right let's do the next one here uh yeah like i said probably three or four more here all right what is it 
Oh, UFC. So UFC, what was this? 261? 261. I'll just talk about the main card. I mean, the undercard fights were pretty good too, but I'll talk about the main card. And yeah, this was, I think, um, people that watched it probably were saying the same thing. I mean, this was one of the more interesting, entertaining, um, eventful uh, UFC cards, I think, ever because you had five knockouts or technical knockouts. Yeah, five for five you were on the main cards. And some of these were, I guess, explosive is the best word. Like some of these punches, especially in the Usman Masvidal fight. Holy moly, in the in the welterweight. Man, that that punched Usman like landed on Masvidal, man. Wow. Uh and I think I think just the the impact and then the, the reaction when you saw Masvidal, Masvidal get hit and you had the sweat just like it was it was unreal. It was like water off of a speaker, you know? Um just just insane. Uh and then early on you had light heavyweight. This was between Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute there and Smith landed a leg kick that like numbed Crute's leg, so he couldn't uh, walk or whatever. It was, yeah, it was really um, kind of bizarre because yeah, he tried to like put pressure on his leg and he couldn't. So Anthony Smith won that way because they had to call the fight off because obviously Crute couldn't walk. And then you had the middleweight fight between Uriah Hall and Chris uh, Weidman, and Weidman goes and tries to. Uh, late kick Hall and Wyman breaks his uh, tibia, fibia, or like it was. Ugh, it was gross. It looked fake, but um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was just it was a gruesome injury, obviously. And then, uh, obviously, Chris Wyman. It looks like he's gonna make uh, a clean recovery here, and he'll. <laughs> he's optimistic that he'll be back in six to twelve months. So. Um, Look for that in the coming year here. And then you had the woman fly, flyaway title bout, and this was um, Sevchenko play, uh, facing, uh, 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 what's her name, uh, Andrade. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. The Brazilian, I'm pretty sure that's her last name. But anyway, um, Sevchenko won fairly easily there. It was, a, it was a knockout in the second round. And this was, to me, the most surprising one in the woman's strawweight. You had uh, Welly Zhang, um, or yeah, Welly Zhang play, uh, play. Wow, geez, fight Rose Namajunas, and this was the, the yeah surprising because it was a knockout. And based on the last fight we saw from from Welly Zhang, or, or two fights ago when it was the battle between um, the, the the Polish fighter there, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but uh, how those that fight won five rounds probably the greatest uh woman's ufc fight ever uh and so i was not after seeing that i was not expecting whaley to lose this fight and she gets knocked out in the first round and and thug rose there is is definitely um uh it was definitely good to see her win and, and, and get the title um and then like i said Usman masvidal that was that was crazy how Usman beat Masvidal at his own game at stand-up fighting, and he knocks him out in the second round. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I got through or, or, or kind of got through the, all the UFC and, and, and pronouncing those names that I'm slightly unfamiliar with. But, yeah, it was, it was good to see the cards and especially um, 
the various knockouts that occurred as well. All right, let's move on from that. Um, and the next one is okay. So I added some some NFL draft questions, and in this episode, I'm also going to get to my mock draft. Uh, but yeah, I uh, talked the. Yeah, I just I gave myself some questions to potentially answer, and this one was what player could go in the first round that's not expected to based on, I don't know, mock drafts, people's rankings, all that stuff. And the the player, I guess I'm confident, and this would definitely be a late first round. I don't think it's going to be anywhere in the mid first rounds, but uh, I, I do like Asante Samuel Jr. And I, I guess maybe there's a little bit of bias because of the name. But but um, just like his father, Asante Samuel Jr. is is a very good player, was very good on Florida State. And I think, um, the, who knows, the name could probably help him a little bit. And that's why I think, jeez, uh, I think I, you know, maybe, maybe it's a Buffalo late in the round there. I can't say for sure. Um I'm trying to think of who else would really would really go after me, you know. I mean, maybe Baltimore. I doubt Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's secondary is pretty locked up. So there, I mean, there's just a, there's a slim chance that it could happen. Heck, maybe even the Steelers up at 24. Um, but yeah, Asante Samuel Jr. I, I could see him possibly climbing up in into the first round there. But but I would. It would. It's safe to say that he would probably be an early second rounder, uh, for for that. But that's that's the player I think who could potentially move up. Um, and I mean, I, there's probably other names that 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 are flying that's flying over my head right now. But that's the one I, that came to mind. So, all right, let me do let me do one more here. All right, ATP tournament prediction. Okay, so. I am going to, there's two tournaments this week, two ATP 250 events for tennis. One's in Munich and one's in Estoril, which is Portugal. And uh, the Munich prediction is pretty easy. Alexander Zverev, for me, considering the two seed in the tournament is Casper Ruud, the, the young Norwegian player there. Uh, I, I think, I mean, Zverev's won this, what, two times in a row. He's looking for a three-peat in this tournament. So I think he'll probably get that. That's a fairly easy prediction for me to make esterol is a little bit more complicated i mean you have dennis shabapalov as the one seed i think he entered late because it says he's a wild card but anyway he's in the draw uh chillich and anderson that's gonna be a good match that's the quarterfinal match it's already set that would be kind of intriguing but i mean i'm looking at it i i do like christian Garin of chile and he's I think he's inside the top 25, uh, but he's a two C in this tournament, and I, I really like Garina on the clay courts. And I, I mean, he's got Gasquet, who I think that's a winnable match, and then either Martinez or Nori. Nori could be a slightly problematic, but I don't, th- I don't think it will be too much of an issue. Then you looking at if he makes it to the semifinals, you got Chilich or Anderson. Um, could be tough just based on. Uh, how they how they approach the serve there that could just be a tight match and it could go either way but uh yeah i really i trust Garin more than shavapalov uh, definitely on clay so so that's why i'll take him for the estrel uh title but heck who the know who knows what could happen you could have a guy like um david 
uh, Davovich Fokina of Spain, who is the eighth seed in the tournament. He can make a run, but um, who knows? Uh, but I, I'll go with Zverev in Munich and Garin in Estoril. All right. Should I do one more? I'll do one more quick here. All right. Here we go. And the last one, number seven, is Rafael Nadal. Okay, so Rafael Nadal, I'll do this yeah, real quick. Like I said, he won the Barcelona title, which is an ATP 500 event. But uh, it's it's a title that, and obviously, I think every event on clay, Rafa is pretty much dominated. But he's he won his 12th Barcelona title. And... I saw him win his ninth, what, five years ago. Now he's got 12 of them. I think uh, other than the French Open, that's the that's the event that he has the most titles at. Uh, the French Open, he has 13 of them, which is crazy considering that's a major, and that brings us the top talent every single year. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Barcelona is probably the, his second favorite event. I mean, just, just look at the titles, obviously. So, yeah, the, kind of an expected result. I mean, Stefanos uh, Sispatas played him cl- close. I think he had a match point at some point. Uh, Rafa also had match points earlier in the match or championship points earlier in the match as well. Uh, eventually, he was able to get the victory, of course. Uh, but yeah, it was. It, definitely seemed like a competitive match but i'm i'm glad nadal was able to win all right that's all i got for spitball sessions number three and number four will be some point down the road not really sure when all right let's get to the mock draft all right so i'm getting super excited because we are less than 24 hours away from the nfl draft starting and it's intriguing for me being a patriots fan because usually obviously the the patriots aren't this ever this high in the draft i think the last time they were this high in the draft was 2008 after they missed the playoffs um with the uh, matt castle uh, led season after the brady acl injury but anyway uh I, yeah, decided to go through, do a mock draft, share it with you on the podcast, and who knows, I could post it up on the blog here, um, just just the list, uh, maybe some descriptions, but I don't know, I, I don't know if I have the time for that with college, but anyway, uh, let me go into it, and so this is the first round, so all 32 first round picks here, uh, no trades, so Obviously, if a trade happens, this could make everything just go downhill or heck, it could make things better, better depending on how things go. Uh, so, yeah, so let's just kind of get into it here. I'll try to maybe explain why I, I did this. Some of it was just gut feeling and just the way things went. Um, I do not expect this to be the case at all based on what I put down, but uh Heck, who who the heck knows? It's kind of like filling out a bracket. And this year, that wasn't that great for me, at least the one I shared with you guys. So, uh, all right, let's just let's just get this going. Okay, Jacksonville Jaguars, big surprise here, Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, that's that's not really surprising at all. If if the Jaguars don't pick Trevor uh, Lawrence, the world is, is is coming to an end pretty much. Um, just like Kyle Shanahan said, uh, who knows if. If uh, people or if <laughs> Jimmy G is going to be alive on Sunday, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Kind of kind of weird quote. But anyway. All right. So that was an obvious one. Another obvious one here. Number two overall, New York Jets taking Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. 
Brigham Young University Krugers. Uh, just a, a staple of the show at this point. Um, yeah, that seems pretty straightforward at this at this point. I mean, uh, I. I I think you would probably want to evaluate Justin Fields a little bit higher, but I don't think he's in contention for the number two pick anymore, especially after Zach Wilson's pro day. So that's uh, that's what I got there. And this is probably one of the more intriguing. Th- Obviously, we've narrowed down the picks for number three overall with the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be one of those three quarterbacks in Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. I was kind of going back and forth here. Do I buy into the fact that it's only going to be Trey, Trey Lance or Mac Jones, or are they kind of um, ma- uh, making a bluff, I guess, uh, for and, and gonna, are going to be drafting Justin Fields? And I, I to decided to take the Mac Jones train here, and I think San Francisco drafts him quarterback out of Alabama and – Obviously, the big question is why the heck would you trade two first rounders or whatever it was for Mac Jones? Is Garoppolo uh, isn't it the same as Garoppolo? Is it is it worse than Garoppolo? Why the heck would you do that? Um, and frankly, I don't know. I don't know what their evaluations are. But um, anyway, that, that's that's who I'm going to go with. I'm going to go Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama to San Francisco. All right, number four overall, you have the Atlanta Falcons and. People are speculating it could be a quarterback, could be Justin Fields, Trey Lance to eventually um, be the successor to Matt Ryan. I don't think so. I think you got to go with Kyle Pitts, the best pass catcher in the entire draft, uh, a once in a lifetime tight end. Uh, People are already saying future Hall of Famer. I don't know about that, but the dude definitely has potential. And uh, yeah, so Kyle Pitts, tight end of the Florida, going to the Falcons there. I think that is, uh, to me, that would be what you kind of want. And and just add another weapon to the Atlanta Falcons offense. Obviously, probably it would help to improve the defense as well. But, um, or, you know, stop blowing leads too. That's also important. But uh, anyway, all right, number five overall, the Cincinnati Bengals. And... There's been uh, increasing speculation that they would go after a wide receiver like Jamar Chase, uh, have him reunite with Joe Burrow, uh, the former LSU teammates. Uh, I, 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 I'm still buying into the pass protection with Penny Sewell, uh, offensive tackle out of Oregon. I think that's what they need the most. I know they they brought in acquisitions uh, of the from the tackle position, but uh, that I mean, Sewell is very good. He was very good with pass protection, of, uh, obviously in college. That's why he's rated so high. But uh, that's I mean, you got to do that. You got to protect Burrow, especially after his injury last season. And uh, yeah, so that's what I got there. Sewell to the Cincinnati fifth overall. All right, sixth overall pick, Miami Dolphins, and. You could go offensive line. I was thinking Rashawn Slater of Northwestern uh, get more pass protection for Tua, but I think the the more dire need is a wide receiver because Devontae Parker, no doubt he's good, but he is not wide receiver number one good, and that's what you need. You need a w- wide receiver number one, and I think I sense a um, Alabama reunion here with J- uh, not Jalen Waddle. <laughs> it's like uh, – Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner, uh, best wide receiver last year, of course. I see him 
going six overall to the Miami Dolphins, reuniting with Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback there at Miami, and that's what I'm going to go with. And the Detroit Lions, uh, apparently they were trying to, uh, there were reports that they were trying to trade up from number seven to get this wide receiver, and that would be Jamar Chase, but I think he actually falls down to them. I know Jamar Chase in Miami is a popular uh, pick, but I, for some reason, I, I, I'm liking Smith more than Chase at this point. But even though there, there's the obviously reports that uh, Smith is too undersized. But anyway, I got Jamar Chase going to Detroit at seven overall, eighth overall with the Panthers. Now this is a little interesting because you have um, who is it? You have Sam Darnold there. They just traded Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos, so he's gone. So yeah, you only have Sam Darnold. You got Will Greer from West Virginia, and there's there's one more uh, quarterback on the roster. Um, who is it? It's not Kyle Allen, is it? I think Kyle Allen's on like Washington or something. Anyway, uh, Sam Darnold's like the only, I guess, legit quarterback on the roster right now. So do you bring in a quarterback to back him up or eventually succeed Sam Darnold? Uh, probably, and I'm thinking it's Justin Fields here. And this was kind of a more of a play on the spot at the eighth pick versus the, the Carolina Panthers necessarily. But uh, who knows? It could happen. I know I think Trey Lance is probably a little bit more popular, but I also have to weigh the fact that Lance may get taken at uh, that. Uh, what, what pick is it? Or could get yeah, picked later or earlier in the draft. So, uh, so I got to look out for that. And so, th- so that's what I got for Carolina, the eighth overall. Ninth overall, Patrick Sertan, uh, cornerback, Alabama. The Broncos did acquire Teddy Bridgewater. They have Drew Locke. It doesn't make a lot of sense now that they would go for a, a another quarterback. I mean, they could. There's still possibilities that could happen. But I think the defense is the more is the more pressing need that they have to fill. So Patrick Sertan, one of the better cornerbacks in the draft out of Alabama. And another quarterback at 10th overall to Dallas. I got J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Who knows? It could be Horn first and then Sertan second. Uh, but that's the order I see it. Uh, and Horn out of South Carolina to Dallas is 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 something that seems seems pretty reasonable. All right. Uh, next is the Giants, New York Giants. Now it seems likely that they'll go wide receiver, but I think eventually you gotta. Uh, man, I, for some reason the line Mika Parsons at linebacker from Penn State. It just seems like a really good fit in New York. Obviously, it may not happen. Parsons could probably fall down a little bit further in the draft. Who knows? But uh, that's, yeah, that's what I was going with there. Uh, So Mika Parsons, linebacker, Penn State to the Giants at 11. 12, the Philadelphia Eagles. I have them going wide receiver, and I have them picking Jalen Waddell. Now, obviously, like I said, wide receiver could go to the Giants. Waddell could be their pick. Um, But... In this case, I do have Waddle being a Philadelphia Eagle. And those those top three wide receivers, they could go in any order, really. I mean, I was I was kind of contemplating Waddle going to the Lions there, maybe just because of uh, the new coach Dan Campbell appreciates the uh, the grit and the termination of Waddle playing injured in the national championship game this past January. But uh, 
I, I think um, they'll, they'll likely go the chase route, but that, that was just a speculation. But yeah, wild to, to Philadelphia for me. 13th overall, the Los Angeles Chargers. I got them going Rashawn Slater. And I mean, there's been speculation that Slater could go higher than, than Sewell from Oregon. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. I just think they're, the, the, the team fits. Uh, I, I just... Slater could fall to, to to LA, even though he's probably rated. He is rated as a top ten guy. I just don't know if the fit works out for those the teams ahead of the Chargers, and and that's why I see him falling to thirteen. And then another offensive tackle. This is uh, Vera Tucker. Um, I think it's Elijah Vera Tucker uh, of uh, uh, Southern Cal. And I got him going to Minnesota. That's a need that Minnesota needs to fill to protect Kirk Cousins. And it's definitely, I mean, Vera Tucker, I've seen him top 10 on draft boards. So um, so that would be a good pickup. And going to 15 in the New England Patriots, I sense, I mean, this is probably not going to happen. But um, <laughs> I, I got uh, Trey Lance going to new england in this spot and this would likely probably yeah probably have to be a trade up from new england in order to get lance but uh yeah in this case i have him fall on the 15 so like we'll see we'll see if that happens trey lance at a north dakota state um yeah but like i said probably a trade up if new england has a shot of getting him all right arizona cardinals number 16 overall i um you know i you could think wide receiver at this spot potentially maybe even do consider like the running back position but i think uh, ideally cornerback is probably the way to go and here I, I was thinking i mean it could be a little high but greg newsom the second out of northwestern uh, i i think he uh i mean he allowed a pretty impressive impressively low qbr when he was defending against wide receivers and then quarterbacks throwing to him it was like 3.6 or something which is like third best in the country so uh, a legit player like i said i don't he'll probably be more of a i mean he could go to like pittsburgh at that 24 or something like that i don't know if he, he could even fall out of the first round i have i have no clue but that's what i went with there uh that's 16 overall the arizona 17th overall las vegas raiders uh, i got Tr trayvon uh morig there the safety out of uh, texas christian and i think it's just um top safety on the board no doubt the raiders need help in the secondary uh, especially deep secondary and and i think uh morig is the way is the yeah the best bet in in that regard so um that's why i got vegas taking him maybe a little high um just based on draft boards he he, he could be more of a late first round guy but um i i think it it's in that comfort zone to where the raiders can um can kind of go after him in, in the middle of the round there and heck they drafted that one guy out of ohio state who nobody thought was going to be in the first round last year so who knows what the raiders i guess all right, 18th overall. Now you have the Dolphins picking again with the 18th overall pick. Who knows if they could toy around with trades and move up and try to have the sixth and maybe another top 10 pick. I don't know what they'll have to give up, but you know we'll find out in less than 24 hours here. But um, I got Christian Derrishaw, offensive tackle 
out of Virginia Tech. And like I said, I was weighing, putting Rashawn Slater six overall, and then maybe the Dolphins wait for that kind of next crop of wide receivers like Elijah Moore, um, um, the Rash- um, Rashad, um, the, the guy in Minnesota, Bateman, Rashad Bateman, and and other and other receivers like that, even Rondell Moore, Purdue, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I do like offensive tackle here. Um, like I said, more pass protection for Tua Tungavailoa. You already have the wide receiver in in Smith or or Chase. It could be, but I have Smith. Uh, so yeah, so so look out for that. Um, I, I do like Derisha there, one of the, one of the other um, highly rated tackles. And 19th overall, uh, I got another offensive tackle. This time it's out of Oklahoma State with Tevin Jenkins. And, you know, I was <clears throat> contemplating wide receiver with Washington as well. But um, I think uh, pass protection is probably uh, the best bet with uh, either Ryan Fitzpatrick or Kyle Allen at this point. I mean, heck, they could even go co- try to trade up for a quarterback. But uh, at this spot, 19th overall for Washington, I think offensive tackle is the way to go. All right, 20th overall, Chicago. Uh, this one, I was I had no clue. I really, I really had no idea who to pick here. Um, I know the Chicago has got an Andy Dalton and they have still have Nick Foles got rid of Trubisky. So quarterback could be a need, but I think they'll probably wait a little bit later. Um, I was also thinking they could maybe draft the sixth quarterback in the first round and maybe get a guy like Kyle Trask from Florida or Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. But ideally, I think you would probably wait until at least the second round and, and maybe trade up from there or just sort of sit back and, and see whatever quarterback falls. Uh, but here I had defensive end, and I'm going to botch this dude's name. Uh, is it Quitty Pay? Quitty Pay? Uh, K W I T Y P A Y E. Defensive end out of Michigan. I, yeah, like I said, I had, I had really no clue what to do here. So I was kind of looking at around the, the best available guys and, um, who knows the 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 quick Michigan to Chicago connection? Maybe that's what I thought. Um, so that's what I got for that. I'll move on quickly here. All right, Indianapolis, twenty first overall. I got Jalen Phillips, who rated in the top twenty, I think, in a lot of boards. But I uh, there's just the fit factor of of do teams do teams really need a defensive end type of deal that's what i was thinking there so that's why i think he falls to indianapolis the defensive end out of miami jalen phillips there and that that would that's a not necessarily a steal but it's a very good pick at that position to get a a player like phillips so 22nd overall tennessee titans and i was um yeah, I was just uh, kind of thinking of what they could do here. I I'm thinking wide receiver, and maybe this is a little too much uh, optimism, but I think they go Elijah Moore, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Moore is is moving up wide receiver boards and just big boards in general with all positions, and I like the idea of Tennessee having two Ole Miss wide receivers, one in AJ Brown, and now another one in an Elijah Moore. I think that would be a, a, a cool one, two punch to have, uh, for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe too much of a, of an old miss storyline there, but who knows it's, it's the NFL draft and it's so unpredictable. 
All right. The New York Jets at 23. So I got them obviously taking Zach Wilson, quarterback at a BYU. Uh, second overall. Now I got them taking Christian uh, Barrymore, defensive tackle out of Alabama. And this is, I mean, that would be a pretty good pick to have um, bolstered at defensive front. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. That seems like a, a fitting spot. I mean, uh, Barrymore could go higher. I mean, I, I guess he could go lower too. But uh, yeah, I think I think he has the ability to to really attack an offensive line and, and get into the backfield and cause problems, which uh, that's that's what the Jets defense needs um, or else it's going to be another rough year. All right. Now, this one, I was thinking about this before I even wrote it down uh, today, and this is 24th overall with the Steelers. Now, prob- more uh, a more reasonable um pick here would probably be Najee Harris running back out of Alabama but I was thinking because this player uh, just today there was news came out that he had tested positive for COVID so he wasn't going to be able to be in Cleveland for the um, NFL draft and be able to shake Commissioner Goodell's hand and I think this could hurt his draft stock and this is Caleb Fairley cornerback out of Virginia Tech now Fairly could very well get picked by Denver or Dallas at nine or ten, but because of um, a back surgery that he had, and because of this new uh, positive COVID test, I think Fairly could very well uh, fall in the draft. I, I hope he doesn't fall in the first round, but. The Steelers are looking for secondary help, uh, cheap secondary help because they are kind of tight with the cap and and getting a a corner that can make an impact right away on a rookie deal in Fairley is something that they could very well need. Um, But like I said, also look out for Najee Harris. But in this mock draft, I got to go with Fairley falling to the Steelers and it's a gift for Pittsburgh um, at, at that spot. All right, 25th overall, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this could be, um, I guess, a, not really a controversial pick, but I got Travis Etienne running back at a Clemson going ahead of Najee Harris in this spot. I think um, I think the Jaguars may get a little too um, uh, cute, I guess, with the uh, with these draft picks and and try to team up Trevor Lawrence and ETN, former Clemson teammates, uh, together on the same offense. Um, ETN, I think uh, him and James Robinson in the backfield for Jacksonville could be a, a good combo with the, with Robinson being more of a downhill guy and ETN being more of the pass-catching back. Um, that's what, what I was thinking there. They could probably use um, some, some offensive line help as well maybe even some some um address some issues on the defensive end but for some reason i just think urban meyer and the jaguars may go um the uh, focus on the offensive skill positions um i hope for that organization that's not that's not the case but here that's what i have lawrence at number one then etn at 25th overall all right 26th overall you got the cleveland browns and I wasn't really sure what to do here. Um, one, one of those picks. So I, I kind of went 
I, I guess the best available in my mind that was um or best available and, and best fit was saving Collins linebacker out of Tulsa and just um, add more help to that defensive core for Cleveland. Um, I mean, I don't think Cleveland needs to go like wide receiver, um, anything like that. I, I think, I think Zayvon Collins is, is, is a good, is a good fit for for what cleveland needs you know um just the ability to to wreck plays on the defensive end um and and make that impact kind of like barrymore for the jets uh, on the defensive front um collins will be able to do that at the linebacker position all right 27th overall ravens now the ravens they did trade uh away uh, who was it orlando brown I think it was Orlando Brown um, to, to Kansas City. And in exchange, one of the picks that Baltimore got back was the 31st overall. But right now, this is the um, this is the 27th overall pick. And I got them going wide receiver here. And it's Terrence Marshall Jr. of LSU. This is another player that's kind of moved up in 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 big boards and I, I just see it being a good fit and uh, you need to add because hollywood brown marquise brown on the ravens is not a number one wide receiver and they had drafted him i think it was in the first round a few years ago and yeah he just he's not turning out to be the number one wide receiver like people thought so Maybe Terrence Marshall can can be that guy, but it at least adds some help for Lamar Jackson um, and, and giving him pass catchers. So that's what I got. 27th overall, 28th overall, the New Orleans Saints. You know, they, they could potentially draft quarterback here. Um, I don't think that'll be the case, but uh, I got a inside linebacker out of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owosu, uh, Koromoa, I believe, is is his his um, last name there, and this guy could very well go into the teens and get picked there. But I see him being a late round guy, and and New Orleans needing the the linebacker help could very well use him. So that's why that's what I see there. Uh, 29th overall, the Green Bay Packers. So packers last first round in 2020 drafted jordan love when i thought they needed a wide receiver um instead they got the aaron Rodgers' potential backup in green bay there uh this year i don't think they make the same mistake obviously they wouldn't be drafting a quarterback but i do think they address the wide receiver position give Devonte adams some more help because you know valdez scantling and and um uh who, who else i'm drawing a blank uh, I can't think of the other wide receiver. So that's been probably a good in- indication that they need um, help at the wide receiver position. And getting a guy like Rashad Bateman of Minnesota would be ideal. Uh, Bateman already used to the, the cold weather conditions, obviously, playing in Minnesota. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a good fit. Keep him in the northern region of the United States. And... Um, yeah, and the, and the Packers get a, uh, a better number two wide receiver. Uh, the Bills, now I was kind of weighing what they should do here. Should they go pass rusher? Um, I mean, this is probably just because it's like best available kind of deal. I got them going Najee Harris because 
I made the bull move of taking ETN over Harris with the Jaguars at 25. Uh, the Steelers passing up on him. The Jets also passing up on him. Uh, so, you know, I expect him in the in the early to mid 20s. But anyway, in this in this case, I got him. I got the Buffalo Bills taking the best available player getting running back Najee Harris and I know they have Singletary and Moss but I think Najee Harris is is an upgrade from those two guys I I think I was contemplating Ronnie Perkins a defensive end and outside linebacker Oklahoma uh, maybe having him move up and and be the 30th overall pick but uh, I had to go with Najee Harris of Alabama there so now we're back to 31st overall and this is with the Ravens and I see them taking a slight risk here and this guy has had um, uh, there was some speculation that he might fall down on the draft board depending on how people looked at him um, it could vary amongst the teens but I got the Ravens taking Gregory Rousseau defensive end of Miami and a couple months ago this dude was a potential top 10 overall pick um, at least top 20 and now he has a chance to be uh, like a mid second rounder um, I, th- I I don't know if it was a question of maturity or whatever it was, but uh, yeah, there there was some reasons why Rousseau was falling down draft boards. Um, I, I think Baltimore takes a risk on him just because of his upside, and and it, it just seems like a fitting pick of Baltimore to make at 31. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out uh, tomorrow. So 32, the final pick here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have officially re-signed all their Super Bowl starters, which they're the first franchise to ever do that as a defending Super Bowl champ, and and to get all those guys back, hopefully things don't really go stale there. Um, in, in that regard, because that's that's probably the one fear I think I would have if I was a Bucks fan. But um, I got them taking. Uh, and this and this guy, I, I didn't realize he was rated so high. I, like when I was looking at stuff earlier, I didn't he didn't really pop up on the radar, but now he is. And this is Jameen Davis, linebacker of Kentucky, out of Kentucky. Uh, uh, apparently, one year starter, um, only started a single game in 2019, but uh, yeah, I guess he has um, the skill to be apparently top 20 in some boards so uh, i think the bucks kind of go the best available route and they they get davis the linebacker out of kentucky um just to add more depth to the defense and that's i mean because the team needs for tampa bay aren't really no no uh, desperate calling at any position really so they're just trying to add depth with with young talent and i think davis would be a, a a good fill at 32 overall there all right so that's it i'm surprised my voice lasted this long this is a obviously a longer one of the longer podcast episodes i've made in a while here but yeah i'm going to the second episode this week which will probably come out uh tomorrow night or Friday morning is going to be my reactions to probably the top 15 picks in the draft. I'll have to see exactly how it goes, but I will do a draft reaction episode. I have my microphone on me when I'm watching the draft live. And um, so hopefully, hopefully it turns out well and and it's somewhat entertaining um, for you guys. But yeah, so that's what I got for this episode. And like I said, two more coming out this week.